You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. COVID and I have that. I'll be like, hand me that fork. And I mean the remote control. (laughs) Okay. We're going to do a spinoff and you will be. It's not as terrifying as a finance. (laughs) Oh, good. It's not. I know people, we sound really fancy maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, I'm a card carrying introvert. I mean, there's, (laughs) there's no other way around it. If I'm walking down the hallway and somebody's coming the other way, I'm probably going to look at my shoes. <laughs> Nine <laughs> times out of ten. You know, if I don't know, I'm like, You know, oh. practice saying hi. <laughs> I know. And that's, that's kind of uh, one of the great things I love about being a greeter is it, it's a small time frame, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes. And it just pushes me outside my, my comfort window just enough that I can smile and be a little bit outgoing and get to know people. And it has, you know limitations so. then you're like it i'm does. going back to my seat <laughs> on the left in the back and the limitations are good because it doesn't require you to have a ton of interaction yeah. like there's enough where it's high but you don't have to have a full-on conversation and it's not like getting to know you it's not that i can always sense you know when the, the extroverts are are coming near you know they're, they're <laughs> loud and cheerful and high fives and everything and i'm like oh geez they're coming my way they're coming my way <laughs> don't touch me don't touch me oh, they're I love gonna ask how i am and i'm gonna have to answer oh my gosh it's I a miracle it. you're here <laughs> i know how about that i love it. he's like i can feel it we won't ask you anything but a whole bunch of stuff well, well i have a i have a, a rule oh say he's rules. got rules it's kind of a guideline when it comes to church and i, oh, I set it up for this reason Basic rule, anytime anybody at church asks me to do something, I say yes immediately. Don't even think about it. Say yes, and then be petrified afterwards. <laughs> what you, call, you cancel on them yeah. later. <laughs> you, you, you sent me a text message to ask if I would do the podcast, and I'm like, yes. And I'm like, oh. Oh, what have I done? <laughs> I wonder if I can take it back. <laughs> <laughs> take it back, take it back. But most of the time, it's just once I get into a situation and get to know people and talk to people, I calm down. It's just sometimes at first it's so petrifying for me to talk to somebody new or what are they going to ask me? What if I don't get along with them? It's just scary. A lot of weird stuff going on up here. Well, here's what I think is fascinating about the upper room, though. I feel like we have a very introvert-heavy men population. Am I wrong? I think a, a lot of guys in the congregation or the upper room family are are actually lean introverted. I would agree with that. I think guys are quiet naturally. Maybe if we were you talking about football. You haven't been to my football. house. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if, you, if, you, if you're talking about the way you feel or anything like that, close up. Don't ask me how I'm feeling. Interesting. Mm. All these guys, they're the best. Now and see, I was always impressed by Chris to be a, we'll say an introvert, and be able to get up there and speak the message and everything every week with so much fire and passion, I'm just amazed sometimes. I just figure, wow, I, I could never do that. Oh, you know? but maybe you could. If you, you drug me up. You should just say yes and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, 
now I probably should have told people that, you know, (laughs) now I'm like, Hey Mike, we're redoing the roof on our house. Would you like that? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, did you listen to the podcast? Actually, I'd probably rather help somebody with their roof than do a podcast. We're going into a deep dive about all of you. (laughs) Being an introvert, I was thinking about you wondering, would you much rather talk about ideas than yourself? Oh, yeah, 100%. Talking about anything, government, politics, the Bible. Lots of hobbies. I see you have lots of hobbies on here. I I like to say I have a million hobbies, (laughs) but I don't practice many of them. (laughs) Time is hard. It is. And I think it's one of those things where I, I love learning new things. So sometimes it's just I like to learn the skill and then get the equipment or whatever to do He's it. He's a five. And, and do it for four or five months. And then I could always go back to it, but then there's always something new that I want to learn or do. Is your garage packed? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't even walk through it. I mean, and it's so, I'm so uh, not put together when it comes to things because I do like, I like working on cars and welding and metal fabrication. I'm getting into like woodworking. So there's like wood and metal and just everything and kayaks hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, I'm all over the place. I'm a nut job, yeah. You go in the basements filled with kettlebells and CrossFit bars. and But yeah, I guess I have ADD or something like that, which was interesting. I, I, when I was listening to some of the other podcasts, I was amazed by how many other people said, oh, I have ADD. I'm like, maybe I have ADD. <laughs> I'm 40 years old. Maybe I, I don't know. Can you We're have ADD when you're 40? People. <laughs> you're a five with ADD. <laughs> ADD, a little OCD, maybe. <laughs> this is great because you can come on the podcast to talk about yourself and then also find out so many new things about yourself. You leave like, wow, I had no idea. But yeah, learning new new skills, whether it's something you can actually build in your basement, you know, creating something, I find fun. If you ask me to make a painting, I don't think I could do it. You know, it would probably look like a stick figure man with a little stick figure dog Those next to drawings. it. Yeah. I always consider myself, I, I don't have a artistic bone in my body, but if it comes to building, fabricating something, designing something. Well, you that's know, artistic. It's just a different slant. Yeah, just a different take on it. So I guess some guys are meant to paint, some guys are meant to weld. I can't get rid of this tennis elbow. Oh, boy. I can't even shake anyone's hand. Chris Reeves. You can't play pickleball with me? He, he keeps trying to get me to play golf, and, and it's so, so painful. I feel very weak. I don't think I can play golf. I've tried. Frustrating. It's such a frustrating game. I like to be good at things. So, <laughs> <laughs> Although I like to try like a lot of things, anymore. when I find those things that I'm not good at, mm-hmm. it usually doesn't last too long. <laughs> done. We're done here. We move on. Who does? Go You're on. Re- you ready? Oh, yeah. Okay. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's Elizabeth. It's Catherine. And we are here with Michael Keffer. Welcome, Michael. Yes. It's good to be here. Michael's an introvert. He's sweating bullets over here being interviewed. (laughs) But he says yes to everything. (laughs) And we're grateful for that. I'm super pumped. Yes. Welcome, Michael. Michael was born in Youngstown, Ohio, and he was raised near Warren. He was raised as a Catholic with his mom and dad. Yes, ma'am. He's the middle child. He has a brother and a sister. He attended Howland High School. What did you do in high school? Mm. Besides try to get girls with the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my first attempt. But no, in high school, uh, I, I think I tried every single sport, but I'm, I realized I'm terrible at sports. 
baseball, basketball, football, just absolutely terrible. So I got a job. <laughs> All right. You started making money. What'd you do? I started working at, at 14 years old, I started working for a landscape nursery greenhouse type yeah. company down the road. Uh, I used to ride my bike to work after school and on the weekends and ride back home. And I actually did that till I was 22 years old when I graduated college. Worked his way through college at YSU. He graduated in 2005 with a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. He met his wife in 2010. They've been married for six years, and they have a daughter who's four and a half, almost five years old, Samantha. Samantha! Denise she draws is... some great pictures. Does she give you cards? Yeah, she drew me a picture. I think it might be on my refrigerator still. <laughs> She's great. Denise is the daughter of Janet and Denny Fellinger. Michael and Denise have been attending the Upper Room regularly since 2017. Was there a non-regular? My words aren't working. <laughs> yeah, I think we were kind of like holidayians, as is what people were referred to <laughs> okay. once upon a time. They call that Christmas and Easter, C&E. Yeah, we got the C&E award every year, you know. We, we, got the, we, we got the big ones, you know. We were a little bit light yeah. in between. Sometimes Mother's Day. Yeah, sometimes Mother's Day. <laughs> but when we started here, I, like, I see, like you mentioned, I grew up Catholic. So it was a big change coming here. And I remember the first time when we were dating, I think, Denise's parents invited us to come to church with them on Sunday. And of course, I said yes. <laughs> and we uh, so we came and walk in the door and, and there's a band up there and they're singing and playing guitars and people are waving flags and hands are up and so much energy. And I'm like, wow, this is not what I'm used to. <laughs> you know, I'm used to one guy being up there, probably wearing white. He says stuff and we repeat it. We stand up and kneel a lot and we move on, shake hands and, and out the door. So it was definitely a change. And, and so I, I don't think we would ever leave the upper room. I think we love it here. Well, we're happy to hear that. And that's amazing coming from an introvert because I am I think about the upper room and how people experience it. And I'm thinking there's a lot of energy. There's a lot going on on a Sunday morning. And it's for an introvert versus an extrovert. It's a much probably different experience. I, I would agree. It definitely took me by by surprise. And it definitely took me years to get used to it. You mm. know, and I guess being raised Catholic, even, I guess, your relationship with the church or the pastor and the congregation and even inside the congregation was very different, where here people are just so open. Everybody just is so loving and kind and, and willing to talk to you and help. You know, I bet I could ask anybody on any given Sunday, hey, I need help putting this in my car. Can you help me do this? Or could you help me? I bet you 99% of the time the people would say yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just they're overwhelmingly giving of themselves. Yeah. Michael is a project engineer and a project manager for Butech Bliss in Salem, Ohio. How long have you been there? Just over four years, so about uh, 2017. He has lots of hobbies, woodworking, timber framing, saw milling, metal fabrications, automobile restoration, jeeps, rock climbing, kayaking, hiking, running, firearms, and spending time with his wife and daughter. Do they like to do all that stuff with you? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> that was a comma and spending time with his wife and daughter. I guess I should have started with the spending time with my wife and daughter. And, and, like, and I also do some of this other That's stuff. right. I read that backwards. So <laughs> he loves to spend time with his wife and daughter. And if he has any extra, he's in his garage building things. Yep. Pretty much. 
Sometimes I add too many, and <laughs> and that brings on stress and anxiety your, just by itself. Your like, wife's going to call up Dave Ramsey and say, my husband has all these expensive hobbies. <laughs> you know what the odd thing is? is like I justify it by like I wanted to build a playset for my daughter, and we own 24 acres in Lisbon. So plenty of trees, and wood prices last summer were out of control. So I, I couldn't see going to Home Depot and paying like twelve dollars. So for a of two course, by four. a sawmill. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> it makes perfect. It was sense. very clear, you know, like this is what we need to do. This I told her answer. we need a sawmill, and she's like, "Uh, okay, do, you, do we really need that?" Like, so I started researching it, and I found a, a way that you could saw logs, but not actually have a full size sawmill, and that's by using a chainsaw, which I thought was even cooler. Because <laughs> you get got a chainsaw. chainsaw this year, so. I went out and bought the biggest chainsaw I possibly could find, and I bought the chainsaw mill, took it home, put it all together, and started sawing logs. And then I realized it takes a lot of work to do this. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have enough for the playset? Not yet. Actually, I realized, you know, actually sawing the timbers is probably the smallest portion of the work. Actually going out and felling the tree, cutting it up, limbing it, debarking it, dragging it out of the woods... I've spent days. You need a new truck for that. You need. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you should tell my wife that. That's yeah. excellent. <laughs> Denise, Denise. <laughs> but I'm so frugal, you know, so I love to do things. And I can, I can, I'll justify probably the one thing where I splurge on things is tools. Because I can always say, well, I'll have this forever. And I can make something with it and I can get my money back out of it. So it's hard having a million hobbies and being a frugal man. <laughs> you have to uh, balance Don't everything out. But in the end, we'll have a we'll have a timber frame uh, playset, and I think my daughter will like it. Isn't heaven going to be fun? Well, I mean, when heaven comes to earth and we have all the time in the world, I just look to forward. build things. I'm sorry, randomly that pops in my head. You just have all the time in the world. Like you don't have to work all day. You can finally get to your timber framing. Work is really getting in the way. I know. (laughs) Can you imagine when you have like eternity? How fun will that be? I mean, it will be. I don't know what what that all looks like, but uh, definitely felling trees. Felling trees. Mm -hmm. There's there's chainsaws in heaven. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Real big ones with like five foot bars. Yeah, at least a thousand years of it. Sorry, go on. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, weird hobbies, and but it passes the time and keeps me busy. Well, we're so happy to have you here. He's an engineer. He has his notebook and notes, and he's very prepared. For and us. it's on graph paper. That's Chris's favorite paper. Someone else was Perfectly excited lined. about graph paper. Who was that? Probably Kathy. No, it was. He's so artistic. I imagine everything would be curves and arcs and it's great anyways i love your notebook bruce had one too love bruce notebook so michael tell us who or what turned your light on i would say people there's been so many people in my life that have changed my direction i'd say number one would have to be my wife i think my life really changed for the better when i met her when i was uh, divorced from my first wife you know you kind of start second guessing everything, you know, what you're supposed to be doing, who you're supposed to be with, how's this supposed to work. And I really wasn't on board for getting married again. I just wasn't even my vision, you know, I was so scared of getting hurt. And then I met her through some friends and she's just such an amazing woman. I I couldn't imagine being with anybody else. So she definitely made a a huge impact and she's got such a great family and they were the ones who led us here to to upper room. So I, I really appreciate them for inviting us that one day. And then throughout my life, it seems like I've always veered off course, 
and then God's kind of sent somebody in to kind of either nudge me or tackle me (laughs) (laughs) and try to correct my course. You mentioned in in 2017, there was a lot of stuff that happened. I changed jobs, changed from the previous company to the company that I'm at with now. And so many things, like it felt like my life was upside down. So stressed out with work and traveling, working 60 to 80 hours a week, it was, it was insane. And just drove me to a breaking point where I was like, That was at your old job? That was at my old job. I was like, I just couldn't do it anymore. I was spending probably two weekends a month in airports, traveling to India and China and not getting to spend a lot of time with my wife and my daughter who was just born uh, in 2016. So I decided, had to change things. So decided to leave the company that I was with and luckily had a friend who worked at uh, Butech Bliss and was the engineering manager and I reached out to him and said, hey, you got any positions open there? And within two weeks, I had a new job. It just worked out very, very well. And I guess to get back to the, to the people in my life, when I was leaving CMI, one of the engineers that I worked with gave me a present when I left. It was just a, a couple books, but they were, I would say, all religious books. In some, it wasn't a Bible per se, but all something to do with religion. And I thanked him and just kind of, you know, went about my way. In that week, I had started re- reading those books. I'm like, well, he gave them to me. I, I should read these books. You know, I felt obligated to read them. So I sat down and started reading them. And it just made me question a lot of things in my life and where I was going, what, what I was doing. One of the books talked about reading the Bible. Just start. I've read pieces of the Bible at that point in my life. I've never read the entire thing. So it kind of intrigued me almost as a challenge to say, can I do this? You know, this is a pretty thick book and I don't like reading. (laughs) (laughs) This may be difficult. And I said, well, in the one book that I was reading, it mentioned, whatever you do, don't start reading the Bible at the beginning. They said, you'll get through Genesis and then you'll get to Numbers and Leviticus and you'll just be like, "Uh, what is going on here? Okay, I die in the desert. (laughs) And we're done. It gave some suggestions to uh, start with the Gospels. So I did exactly what that uh, book told me to do. I started reading two pages a day every morning when I was eating my breakfast. And it took me about two and a half, three years, and finally read through the entire Bible cover to cover. What and was it, the last book you read? What was last? The last uh, book of the like, Bible. Did you end with oh. Revelation or did you end? What's at the end of the Old Testament? Malachi. But I I worked my way all the way through, and then I got I got to that point. I felt good that I got on all the way through it, and then I decided, well, I'm just going to keep going. Mm-hmm. So just read two pages every every morning. Some, sometimes not two pages if I'm really pushed for time. Maybe it's only a page or even a half a page. But it also I think kind of uh, centers me for my day. It kind of starts you off on the on the right foot. So that was a big impact. You know, when he gave me those books, it kind of spurred another reaction for me to take on this uh, challenge to read the entire Bible. And that same week that I had started at Butech, I think I was there for like maybe three days. The young gentleman that was in the cubicle next to me, he was just an intern, I think, at the time. And uh, it was lunchtime. The bell went off for 12 o'clock and I was reaching for my lunch. And uh, he had leaned over and said, hey, Michael, if you're interested, a couple of us are the engineers. uh, We have a Bible study in the basement on Thursday afternoons. He's like, would you like to come? And of course, I said, yes. So <laughs> I just you know, gave him that. And it's almost like the yes came out of my mouth before I could even think about it. You know, I didn't even pause. And normally being an introvert, I would have said, 
no, I'm just going to eat my lunch in my cubicle, <laughs> stare at my shoes and hope nobody talks to me <laughs> until we can get back to work. So I said yes and grabbed my lunch. And he said, yeah, follow me. Went to Bible study, been doing that ever since. So it's nice. Another thing that kind of happened at that exact same time that I think also helped reinforce me kind of focusing on different things in my life rather than just work or work or work or whatever <laughs> else, you know, us workaholics do. It gave me, you know, something else to, to think about and focus on and, and, like you said, kind of think towards eternity and think towards how I should be behaving and what do I really believe in and how things that I could do here on this earth could help somebody else. So that young man helped me. And I'd say the other person, and I wish I, there's probably a million people, so I don't want anybody to get upset if I don't mention their name because <laughs> a lot of people have uh, helped me. But Jeremy Lindemann definitely helped me quite a bit. I'm better at talking about sawmill. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Jeremy helped me a lot. He came up to me one day in church, and I'd never met him before. Tapped me on my shoulder and said, hey, can I pray with you? I've got, you know, got a word for you. And I thought, who's this weirdo, you know? And why is he tapping me on my shoulder? <laughs> Did you even know what that meant when somebody said, I have a word for you? N no. At first I thought, what did I do wrong? Oh, no. Like, did I not give enough? Or <laughs> did I do something wrong? I didn't fill out the check right? Like, oh, no. We like you. you know, Jeremy pulled me aside uh, out in the, the foyer there. And then he grabbed Greg. And I'm like, oh, man, he's getting back up. I must have done something really bad. <laughs> I'm really in trouble here. If it takes two of them, I'm definitely in detention. You were sweating bullets. Yeah. Turns out, you know, he explained to me that God had given him a word for me and that he was concerned about me and, and just wanted me to know that he loved me and cared for me, you know, that I didn't have to be so stressed and, and anxious about work and that that stuff really didn't matter. <laughs> that definitely hit home and nobody had ever... Nothing like that had ever happened to me before. To other people here, that's probably a, a weekly occurrence or something. But to me, it was just kind of astronomical that God took the time to send him a message and, and deliver it to me. We could talk about sawmilling again. <laughs> <laughs> or timber framing. Those people definitely have impacted my life and, and have uh, driven me closer to God and trying to, uh, we'll say walk with the Spirit. And then, of course, uh, Greg also impacted my life just by asking me to be an usher, which was interesting because I think he asked me to be an usher like maybe two weeks before COVID hit. So I never even got to pass an offering plate. Like the first time I got to be like an usher, like I actually had to like seat people six feet apart and in different rows. And oh, I'm like, gosh. this isn't what I signed up for. That was miserable. <laughs> this isn't fun. I just wanted to pass the plate. Yeah. <laughs> so getting to be an usher felt good to, to do something for the church to, even if it's something small, it felt good to participate, even though, you know, I see you guys up there, part of the worship team, and Lord knows you don't want me up there singing. You know, you don't want that. You don't bring that guitar back. Around. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's not, not going to happen. It was a nice way that I, could, I felt like I can contribute, you know, yeah. that I could do something for the church and for other people. And then one day, Greg asked if I would be a greeter. That was awesome. Even, and I was worried about it at first. I was like, oh, you know, I, I'm introverted. I don't like to talk to people. But it was nice to be able to greet everybody and say hello and tell them welcome and help new people, you know, who have never been here before and give them guidance on where to go or what to do or what they can find at the Welcome Center. So that was uh, another great opportunity, I would say.
to become part of the church mm. and not sit there in my pew and look at my feet. <laughs> You're doing marvelous. I was going to say, that makes me so happy and so excited. You could really easily stay in your bubble, which is comfortable. But thank you for not. Mm. It's such a pleasure having your family here, but even more so getting to know you guys and seeing you getting to know other people. That's really the point. I mean, it's nice to have people here, but everyone staying here in their little seat bubbles is not the idea. Yeah, but it doesn't, I love it doesn't, that you're it doesn't doing accomplish it. it. Yeah, right. it doesn't accomplish much. I heard once that uh, you could, uh, you could, if you, even if you could live without sinning, but you lived like one man in a cabin up in Alaska and you had no interactions with with anybody. If you were just up there by yourself, even though that would be great if you could actually live without sin, but if you were just by yourself and you weren't being with other people and helping other people and, and interacting with other people, it's just not what God had planned for us, right? Right. He wants us to be with people. He wants us to be social creatures and to help others. I was just listening to Rick Warren talk about that today. I'm listening through the Thrive Conference online, and Rick Warren was one of the speakers, and he was just saying that. He said, Jesus came and was completely sinless, had everything that he needed in him, but gave his life to relationship. That's how it's. That's the difference. So how has your life changed since you got that word from Jeremy? Really, it was from God talking to you. Did that change anything? Yes and no. The funny thing that I, this has been a, a journey. My life has definitely not been a straight line. You know, you kind of veer off course and, and then God sends somebody and, and kind of recenters me and, and gets me lined back up. But then it's, it's funny how evil can creep into your life so quickly without even noticing it. You know, you, you start to work a lot of hours or you start to get focused on things that really don't matter or so stressed out or anxious about work, which is usually my issue. And then you're not focused on helping others. You're not focused on, you know, what you can do to live a better life. And it seems to spiral out of control. It becomes a a behavioral thing. You know, if you can actually, it's kind of like reading the Bible every morning. If you can keep on track, it's a little bit easier than getting off track and then getting tackled by Jeremy and Greg (laughs) in a a conference room to send, you know, to put your life back on the right path. So, Michael, tell us what lights you up. I just like learning new skills. We talked, you know, I have a million hobbies, doing that stuff, doing it with other people, learning from other people. I think learning is an amazing thing. Probably why I'm married to a teacher. <laughs> and she has a, a gigantic heart to be able to put up with me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would say the anything, learning how to do something to me is, is almost as fun as doing it. The only bad part is, is I have a little bit of perfectionism that can come out from time to time that engineering side of things. And sometimes it can be aggravating when you're trying to learn something and you want to be perfect at it. I'm like, oh, I want to do that. I see somebody doing it. So I read a book and do this and watch some YouTube videos. And then I want to go out to the garage and just be able to do it perfect Mm -hmm. the first time out. I don't even think that this guy's been doing it for 30 years and that's all he does is build furniture. And I'm like, I'm going to go build furniture. (laughs) But I don't let that stop me, I guess drags you down a little bit when you realize, well, my end table's not as nice as his end table, but, you know, it's a little teetery, but, you know, it it works. It still holds things. So I I sometimes can be too hard on myself, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think that's 
easy for for some people to do. I think there's a physical aspect of learning stuff. It's the same thing with spiritual aspects. Like sometimes we're learning and it's a process and you don't, you may see someone who's walking with the Lord and they're, they're really strong in areas and you think I should be like that. But oftentimes it's learning, it's being introduced and it's studying and talking to people and learning about different spiritual aspects and we can grow in that. You don't have to be an expert right at the beginning, you know. And I think that's one of the nice things. Uh, one of the things that I've learned from listening to your guys' podcasts and all the different people that you've had on is that they're all human. You know, I guess from my introverted corner in the back left, you look at some of these people and you're like, wow, they have got it all together. They know so much. Their lives are perfect. They part of the worship team. They're just amazingly outgoing people. And then you listen to their story and you're like, oh, they made mistakes too along the way, you know? So it's like, wow, you know, we're all human. And, and it, I guess, allows me to use them as a mentor almost to say, you can get there and still make, you didn't have to be the right path the entire time. I don't think we've interviewed anyone yet who has been a saint. <laughs> <laughs> no one, big, no one has reached sainthood. It's a big N.O. <laughs> But I do love your perspective that everyone has the opportunity to learn from someone else, saint or not. Every podcast is really a learning experience. If you let it be, there's something to learn and take from someone and all of their foibles. (laughs) I like to listen to them. I have a little workshop down in the basement. So it's nice when the weather's not so great outside. You know, I can go downstairs and and do some things. And I remember I was listening to uh, Jim Brown's podcast. And I was sharpening chisels on diamond stones. And I'm just listening to him and I'm just working away, you know, sharpening these chisels. And I'm just really, you know, struck by his honesty and everything. And I look down and there's blood all over the the stone. And I had been sanding the fingertips off my fingers. (laughs) Michael! (laughs) I didn't even notice it. And I'm like, oh, wow, I should maybe not listen to podcasts and sharpen chisels. So lesson learned. Jim Brown, you're so engaging. (laughs) I don't know. He's just, he had such a colorful story and how he ended up here and with his wife and everything. I thought that was just, uh, it was very intriguing. It's a beautiful picture that you can look at people and see see them after God has transformed their lives. Because, I mean, even though no one's perfect, even even when God's transformed our lives, you know, we still have dates. But, you know, he's taken us out of the mire and did a work in us, and it shows, and it, people are shining. And that doesn't mean that they didn't have a past or they don't struggle with things, but it's just the transforming power of Jesus Christ in their lives. That's attractive to people, and I, I think that Jesus loves us. You don't have to clean up to be with Jesus, but Jesus doesn't want to leave you where you are. He, he'll he take you how you are, but he doesn't want to leave you where you are. He yeah. wants to walk that journey with us and becoming more and more like him. And I think the, the nice thing about the upper room is the people share that same vision. They want you to be involved. They want you to find Jesus, to really be walking with the Spirit or, or to really love the Father. It just shows with the people here. And so many people we've interviewed have said they knew who God was, they were religious, they were educated about Jesus, but they didn't realize they could have a personal relationship with Jesus. Like Jesus loves you and he wants you to know him and he wants to know you. And I think that that's what is so life-changing is the relationship that we have with Jesus, not just knowing of him, but knowing him. I've come to realize the power of prayer. 
We always said prayers when we were younger, but I've never, I guess, during this whole COVID pandemic and people getting sick and not just for COVID, but other things, it definitely, I guess, opens your eyes to what the power of prayer can achieve, especially when it's done by multiple people, you know, for the same cause. That's really good. I just feel like so many people have been talking about prayer lately. And reading the Bible. Yeah. That has just really become a topic that's become common in the last month or so. That must be really on people's hearts. God's directing. You're saying just in the upper room or? Yeah, just, yes, specifically here. And what an awesome story with the 50 years anniversary. Just, I didn't know any of that. Figured this building's been here for 50 years, (laughs) you know, to hear the stories of, you know, a bunch of teenagers playing guitar above a veterinary clinic. I mean, that's kind of crazy. And to see what it's turned into and the the thousands of people that they've probably helped along the way, it's kind of amazing. It's really beautiful. So Michael, tell us, how are you letting your light shine in this season of your life? I would say the one thing that we touched on before that I'm kind of passionate about is financial independence or, you know, sure, being living debt free and things of that sort. It, it isn't directly related to the Bible, but I think there's a lot of guidance in the Bible that comes down to good financial and wealth management and, and how you should live your life. And I definitely know the Lord doesn't want you to have $20,000 on your MasterCard and paying 20% interest and how just seeing other friends that we know how the husband and wife have to interact when they have these type of financial issues and how it tears them apart because one's a spender and one's a saver and they're totally on separate pages. Even coming from me, being an engineer and having went to school with a lot of other engineers, and it seems like we're all married to teachers for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> That's um, I think uh, Becky Osborne once told me that uh, the reason why engin- you know teachers are married to engineers is because they're the only ones that can tolerate us. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably true. They have uh, an ability to uh, handle a lot of trouble <laughs> at one point in time, you know. But I mean, I have friends that are engineers that make six-figure salaries and still have credit card debt, live in a half-million-dollar home, and they're living paycheck to paycheck. On the outside, everything looks picture perfect. They've got all the uh, fancy knickknacks in the house and the page out of a catalog, you know, when you walk into their home. But, you know, when you talk to him on the side, he's like, I'm in debt to my eyeballs. If I miss work for more than a week, we're going to lose a car. <laughs> and I think, well, that's that's not the way uh, God wants you to live your life. So I would say one of the things that I like to do is uh, talk to young people about financial instruction or giving them guidance of just saying, you know, you need to live below your means. If you live below your means, there's plenty of people who have been teachers and grown up to be millionaires and lived a wonderful life. And you don't have to have a Pinterest perfect house to, uh, to have a full and happy life. And it astounds me when we hire new engineers and I talk to them and and I'm like, well, do you have a 401k or are you invested in retirement? And they're like, oh, no, I'm too young for that. I and do that with my young staff. I'm like, I sit down with the paper because we, we pay into retirement, but they can also contribute on their own. And mm. I'm like, you're going to fill out this paper and you're going to thank me when you retire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll be dead, but you'll be thanking me. <laughs> it's true. I would have probably been the same way, you know, when I was in my 20s. Because all of a sudden, go from making an hourly wage digging holes to making a nice salary. And all of a sudden, you know, you could buy. I don't know how many engineers that I graduated with that went out and bought a brand new car. Nice Nissan sports cars and SUVs. And, and then that debt carried, they carried it for five or six years trying to pay that off. 
I was really lucky, raised by my mom and dad, and they're still married today, and they were very frugal themselves. So I, I kind of passed that knowledge down to me, you know, to, to live live beneath your means. My mom told me to always pay more on the, your mortgage than your mortgage payment. $50 a month could take 10 years off your, your mortgage payment. And even being, we'll say, pretty savvy at math, you know, being an engineer, I didn't really understand it until one day I sat down and did the calculation for, you know, the interest rate on my house. I'm like, she's right. Mm. This, you know, this could cut 10 years out of it. And then you take that money and what could you do with that? That $700 house payment for 10 years. Truck, you could do a lot of different things with it. So that really kind of started me off in the right direction. When I see somebody young and prosperous and they're, and they've got their full life ahead of them, I just always want to make sure that somebody had that discussion with them. Because I realize a lot of parents don't have financial discussions with their children. And a lot of parents, unfortunately, aren't great with money. You know, some people didn't have a, a frugal mom and dad that, you know, I always remember my mom when we were younger having a, a bank envelope. That was the money for the week. There was no credit cards when we were growing up. She was doing the Dave Ramsey envelope plan. Yeah, back I mean, then. <laughs> without yeah, without even knowing it, you know, she was like, "That's that's all there is to it." So I remember, you know, seeing my mom with cash and and how it worked growing up, getting a job really early and learning the value of a dollar. It just kind of touches me to a, a certain point that I don't want other people to wake up one day in their forties with huge mortgage payments and cars that are rusting out in their driveway that they're still paying for and just I don't know feel like they're trapped. There's so many other things that you could feel trapped on <laughs> in life. That's great. I feel like we haven't really talked about that at all on the podcast. No. Like financial awareness. He really should come back. I'll run him down. He's going to be on a spinoff. Okay. I mean, if, if you don't leave and like cry about how terrible <laughs> <laughs> Never to return. I was going to say, where'd Michael go? He's it's on a work not trip. that bad. <laughs> It's a really long work trip. <laughs> Did you want to add anything else before I ask the fourth question? I just... Uh, Small story. One of the things I think that started me off on the right foot as far as saving for retirement, I was talking to my dad on vacation one time when I was in my early 20s. I had just gotten my job at the furnace company being an engineer. And he was telling me that when he was young, he had a supervisor that asked, you know, are you vested in the 401k? And my dad said, no, I can't afford to, you know, right now. Yeah, we've got three kids. And he said, Rich, you can't afford not to. And so he slapped my dad around and got him on the right track. And my dad at the time was telling me he had just retired. And he's like, Mike, that money that that man told me to put in there, that $50 a month or $100 a month, is now what we're living off of and living nicely off of. Mm -hmm. My dad had given me the guidance that as soon as you get as soon as you get a paycheck, figure out where your budget needs to be and how you need to live and pay your bills. And he said, next year, when you get your raise, you just take that and you put it into your retirement. He's like, your paycheck won't change. You'll get the same money that you lived on this year, next year. He's like, and just keep doing that until they won't let you put any more in. <laughs> He's like, you will be better off. You will be much, much blessed in the future if you can do it. And I did that for, for the first probably six, seven years. And then I got stupid and started, you know, thinking I knew more than my father and started doing different things. But then eventually, you know, it came full circle. You start sitting down to do the math and it's amazing what compound interest can do for you. I think Einstein said, what's the eighth wonder of the world? Compound interest. And there's people who understand it and then there's people who pay it. And that's how the world's broken down into. So I just want to help people be the ones who understand it and benefit from it as much as possible. Jesus talks about money. He talks about money a lot. It's fascinating because we don't talk about this a lot, but Jesus did talk about money often. And 
It definitely has a spiritual impact to it. And I've seen money ruin people. Where do they have that? The lottery curse, you know? You become a millionaire and within six months to a year, you're bankrupt and your family hates you and your life's a wreck. So, I mean, money could definitely be a, a blessing and a curse. And if you know how to handle it properly, it really can benefit you and the people around you. And I think, although I'm frugal, one of the other things that I like about having you know, some financial independence is the fact that we can give much more to other people. You know, you don't have to, if somebody comes to me that has a, a need or anybody in the church that has a need, it just seems like it opens your heart and your ability so much more to give to somebody else who has, is in need, you know, maybe just for that moment. But I think that makes me feel good. You know, there's just something about giving that when I was younger, I never really realized how good it felt. I was always a taker. <laughs> We're blessed to bless. And I've realized that in my older age. Being in debt is a form of bondage, and it is something that keeps you instead of frees you. You know, you're saying this is a spiritual issue, and it is, because in areas of our life where we are not free, it's not the heart of God for us. The goal is freedom in all of those areas, the freedom to give, the freedom from debt, and we need to talk about that. What are your steps? <laughs> I mean, definitely, I've seen people try to tweak Dave Ramsey's baby steps, you know, and they say, well, this is our baby steps. And I think a lot of people pick on him, I think, because he tells you to pay off your house. It's the number one thing that I see people say, no, don't do that. It doesn't make any sense. Keep your mortgage. You get a tax break, low interest rates. You can make more money in the market than you can paying off your house. But I can tell you from experience, it is invigorating when you pay off your house. When I wrote that last check to pay off our house, the grass felt different underneath my feet. I own this. They can't take it away from me. If I get sick or hurt or if I pass away for some odd reason, my wife and daughter are fairly well set. At least they have a place to live. And then it changed once you kind of, I guess, take that mortgage out of it. All of a sudden you're like, well, we have this lump of money that was supposed to go to a mortgage payment that's no longer there. What can we do with it? Well, we can invest some of it. We can give some of it. We can do a lot of awesome things. Buy a sawmill. Buy a sawmill, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buy a bigger so sawmill. <laughs> Did you want a whole list or is one good? <laughs> that's good because we're going to have them back. Okay, good. For a class. You that's could, just I a think teaser. You're gonna, yeah. I think that's going to be a class. Oh, no, she just signed you up to lead a small group. <laughs> I'm an activator. I love giving jobs to people. <laughs> and I think the nice thing about that, if you were to have a group of people, because everybody has a different way of doing things. And I think you, know, you can say, okay, Dave Ramsey's perfect, but there are a lot of guys and women out there that have found different ways to get out of debt. And they've found different life hacks that have helped them. And I think even just having the personal connection with those people, you know, they could be behind you when you fall. Or stumble and they can say, okay, just get back up. You made a stupid mistake. You bought something you didn't need and you maybe got off the trail, but they could get you back on the, the right path. So if you're out there listening, coming in 2022, oh. a financial freedom course with Michael Keffer. I didn't say that. <laughs> Stay tuned. We'll see. <laughs> Is Denise going to kill us now? It'll be led by a guy looking at his shoes. <laughs> Okay, okay. Last question. Would you like to share a supernatural experience that you've had? I don't, I can't really think of besides that time when Jeremy came up to me in church and, and tapped me on the shoulder. That was the closest thing I would say I've had to a supernatural experience. I have, I don't know if it really counts, but when uh, my wife and I were trying to get pregnant, we had, a, we had a lot of difficulty getting pregnant. 
and I was traveling a lot at the time, they usually say like, if you're having difficulty, it's easier to examine the guy, you know, to, to rule that out. They start there. So I remember I was going to India and my wife had told me, okay, you need to get checked out, you know, for the stuff. So this was like right before I was getting on a plane to go to India. And I was so stressed out. I'm like, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, that's really stressed. So I apologized to her and uh, I went and got on the plane and, and left for India. And uh, when I got to India, it was the first time staying in, the, in this hotel. The lady who had taken me up to the room to show me the room, she said, I want to give you a gift, uh, which I thought was very odd. I've traveled all around the world and hotels usually don't give you a, a gift. And it was in a small box wrapped up so I unwrapped it uh, after she had left. I, I told, told her thank you. And after she left, I unwrapped it. And inside was a like a small stone elephant, which is important for their culture as far as you know their religious beliefs. And I thought, oh, that's, that's kind of cool. Didn't really think too much about it. Threw it in my bag and went home. And when I got home, probably a week and a half later, my wife told me that we were pregnant. And so it was just an amazing thing. And I told my wife, after she explained to me this great news, I'm like, hey, I've got a surprise for you. <laughs> and I never buy things, you know, when I travel. So she was amazed. <laughs> Again, being frugal, you know, I don't, <laughs> don't want to buy anything. So I showed her this gift. I said, you know, when I went to the hotel, they, they gave me this gift. And it's kind of cool. It's this small little stone elephant. And she's looking at it. And at the backside of the elephant's kind of cut out. You could see through it. There's little holes drilled in it. On the inside of the elephant, if you look really closely, there's a baby elephant inside the elephant. And I still have that today. The trunk's been glued on about four times because oh my, my daughter gosh. knocks it off the shelf. But that's probably one of the, we don't have a lot of knickknacks in our house. And that's probably our, my, our favorite knickknack. It probably doesn't matter. It's probably not a great story for no, Supernatural. No, that's but. great. I think God is in coincidences. Mm -hmm. We just went to a conference this past weekend, and one of the things that stuck out to me is someone was talking about that God is so in the details, the tiny things. He's in these little moments. He is so intricately involved in our lives, and sometimes we think that's that's too big. You know, it's too big of a deal. God couldn't care about that. He couldn't have insight into that. He would never do this to do that for that to be meaningful. And we overlook all of these amazing, beautiful things that I really do think that God offers as gifts to us. I love that story. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, I think things like that happen to people often. Yeah, I call those hugs from God. When those coincidences happen. Yeah, you could you could just chalk it up to a pure coincidence. And I think if you would have asked me 10 years ago, I probably would have just said, yeah, just odd coincidence. But now, like you said, it, it does kind of uh, feel like he, he kind of every once in a while sticks his finger down in, yep. in your life and makes a little fingerprint so you know that he was there. Yeah. Oh, this has been so fun, Michael. I'm I'm so blessed that you decided to come and talk with us and share your story because I do think people need to hear from introverts. And so this is a great platform because you are so full of wisdom and you just have a wealth of information and you have good things to share with people. So I'm glad that you came and shared and be like Mike. Mike says yes. <laughs> <laughs> What I love about that story is you say yes, and it blesses you, and you're stretched and challenged in areas where, I don't know what Greg was thinking, asking an introvert to be a greeter, but you said yes, and it's changing you, it's growing you, and people are benefiting from it. You're going to say yes to 2022 <laughs> financial freedom class. 
<laughs> here at the upper room with Professor, Professor Michael Kepper. <laughs> but that's so great. I love that you have so much knowledge to share with people and yeah. we need to hear that. So really it's good. been great hearing your story and just hearing. We just keep hearing over and over again how people impact other people's lives for Jesus. And, you know, your story about the people along your path in your journey that pulled you back in and introduced you to Jesus and just gave you a a whole different perspective than what you had. It's all about people and relationships, and we have that in us, and we can do that with people. So that's just a great story and testimony of how people can impact people's lives and you know, you're doing that as well. You're impacting those young engineers and getting them on the right track with finances and maybe teaching them things that no one, I don't think they teach that in college or in high school, you know, (laughs) they teach other things that is not that important. But, you know, we don't even learn how to balance a checkbook anymore. That's great. We need more men like you. Thank you. See, this wasn't too bad, was it? No, it wasn't. You could tell Denise, say you could do it. (laughs) I think that's why I have the yes rule is because most of the time it's not that painful. It's not that well, bad. It's just sometimes tell us it's little, all internal. Tell us a little more about that. Was that something that you were doing as an introvert to force yourself out of your shell? Or when did you make that rule or that guideline? I'd say it, I only started doing it at the upper room. <laughs> the Holy Spirit anointed you to say yes when you came here. <laughs> yeah, it, it's odd. Although I'm an introvert. I've gotten up in front of at company speaking events and stuff and talked to 200 people. But it's different if I'm talking about work rather than, like I said, something of my feelings or my life or what happens to me. So it definitely changes things. But yeah, I only use the uh, only came up with the yes rule here. I guess it could be used in other introverts I, could use it in <laughs> other areas of life. Because you really could go back and say, oh, no, you know, like if you're getting engaged, they say you better say yes, even if you change your mind later, because you can never go back and have that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's hard to say no. And then tomorrow I'll call them up and say, ah, thought about it. Thought about I think it. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a yes. <laughs> you know, you've destroyed. <laughs> Although it'd be a funny story when you're at your 50th wedding anniversary. If you make it that. <laughs> <laughs> well, make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. Bye.